Paul, are you drinking anything interesting tonight? I'm, I'm, I'm drinking the same thing as before. Oh, nice. Um, Dark Truth. <laughs> In fitting with the theme of Deuteronomy. Yes, it is the perfect Deuteronomic beer. Excellent. I am drinking coffee because it seemed like the thing to drink. And also because I didn't have any beer and was too lazy to go and get some. God, I hope it's decaf for your sake. I'm drinking Maduro Brown Ale from the Cigar City Brewery. I'm drinking Miller Lite. All right. Nice. I think, uh, okay. That rounds it out pretty well. That rounds it out. Um, and we're talking about Deuteronomy. 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 I'd rather have a bottle in front of me than a Deuteronomy. I actually have a master's in religious studies most of a PhD, and I'm like, I can't even pronounce Deuteronomy. About chapter 18. Alright. Okay, so, Deuteronomy 18. We start out with the beginning having to do with Levites and their portions and their inheritance and stuff. Uh, at about verse 9, it goes into laws about assimilating yourself into cultures around you and stuff like that, or avoiding, avoiding wicked customs and and things like that. Is there anything in there specifically that... I don't have anything in my notes specifically for 18 that really jumped out at me. Um, did we talk Did we talk last time about how a lot of this book is engineered to see to it that the priests get paid either in food or in uh, tender? Yes. Okay. That's, it's in, you know, the two, the, from, a, from a non-believing perspective, there's basically two hypotheses about this book. God dictated it, which is the religious hypothesis, or the priests wrote it. For the you know, for the sake of passing on their ideas and keeping themselves in power, so I find it suspicious that it, the, the book does such a thorough job of keeping the priests fed, given that those are the two alternate hypotheses mainly under consideration. They don't have any inheritance, though. Land inheritance. Well, yes, yeah. They are to live among the people, which they have to because they're like a service class. They're out there, right? And they're provided for from the people. Yeah. In uh, 15, they go on to talk about about a new prophet that'll be raised up, like Moses. Verse 15. Wouldn't this be more referring to Joshua? Uh, that's that's uh, what I yeah, thought. Yeah, I'm with Jason on that. I, I would agree that I thought it had more to do with Joshua. I, I, but on, In the Jewish context. Starting in 15, they started talking about the prophet that was going to be raised up, which I immediately thought to be Joshua. However, mm-hmm. on, on the blog, some people had mentioned uh, Christ and, of course, being raised in a evangelical household that was this would automatically go under oh yeah they were prophesying Christ though I don't exactly think that's the context here yeah we don't yeah we don't need to give too much credence to that right uh, <laughs> in 19 we have these uh, cities of refuge which is kind of fun what I thought was interesting about the cities of re- refuge is that he'd already said thou shalt not kill right and he could have like maybe said thou shalt not kill even if you're the avenger of blood. Because instead of, instead of just saying, you know, you're not allowed to avenge the blood of your relatives, which, you know, you'd think would fall under the Ten Commandments, they set aside, instead of just banning uh, blood feud under Thou Shalt Not Kill, they just set aside these cities to, to flee to. It's like all the Greek plays where it's just a big round robin of killing people because they killed one of your relatives. It's preventing that. Avenger of the blood. Possibly the best action movie title to come along in the King James so far. <laughs> Arnold need to make that one. Yeah, I, well, yeah. It's, it's a sequel to Commando. So chapter 20. 20, we get to, or I guess we get principles governing war. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is uh, where they say, if you're, hey, if you're a coward, uh, go on home. We don't want you in our army. 
just kind of right, right. kind of an interesting principle. Wait, something against God's law that doesn't require you get executed? Weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, and if you haven't taken your virgin wife yet, go back there and do that. Get on that. I have, I have in verse ten. When you approach a town to attack it, you shall offer it terms of peace. That sounds pretty reasonable to me. Keep reading. Oh, <laughs> let me take a sip of beer first. Yeah. By peace, we mean total enslavement of you by us. It was, oh yeah. Oh well, that's just American foreign policy. <laughs> I think, I think that's fine. In in verse twenty of Deuteronomy twenty, there is the bit about. Only trees which thou knowest that they may not be trees for meat shalt thou destroy. Uh, which is kind of nice. I guess they, they only, you know, chopped down trees when they were sieging cities that weren't of immediate use to them. That's a very practical. That's a little practical <laughs> uh, war-making tip for the ancient Near East. How to make right, war. Right. Exactly. Well, the translation I have here is only trees that you know do not yield food may be destroyed. Well, right. Yeah. Okay. That's also food, a meat. Is it's King it James. Oh, oh yeah, meats. Okay. Meat, meat means food in, in 1611. Food. Like they have these meat offerings that are actually grain offerings, and that's just how English was back then. <laughs> okay. All right. Please tell me you guys got notes on 21, because I know I do. Oh yes. 21. CSI Field Murder Edition. <laughs> What do you do? If Including beastie beheadings. What do you do when you can't, uh, you know, can't figure out who killed the... Exactly. Yeah. There's... Which is kind of interesting. Well, my favorite part yeah. of you know, possibly this entire book is in uh, chapter 21, the Lord himself gives like specific instructions on how you are to take a female POW and then uh, rape her uh, after the prescribed ceremonies have been, you know, have gone through. You get to, you kill her dad, you kill her brother's. You take her home, you shave her, and then you get to keep her. So, pretty uh, pretty good and holy stuff there at uh, 2110 through 14. 14, yeah. yeah. In 14, it's important to note that if you have no delight in her, then you can let her go free. That's right. You get to rape her until you're tired of raping her, and then you can you can toss her away, but you as cannot as, sell as her. As long as you don't sell her. Right, because right. that would be a step too far. Indeed. That would, ju- that would just be too much. I'm glad we don't wage war like that any longer. Well, right. the United States doesn't. <laughs> Not as much. I, I guess my question to, to you guys would be, how, how do you think that this comments on, uh, on modern-day Christianity? Well, that depends on what you think the relationship is of Christianity to the Bible. Well, I'm, I'm asking you. Well, the around, around here they say that God wrote the whole book. I don't know, you know, how they, they view it in, uh, in the highfalutin circles of academia. But with the people you run into in everyday life, they will tell you that God dictated this book. And not, if not dictated, then inspired, which is essentially a more editorial process. But he's still got all the words on the page. That's true. The base of this podcast is two people that believe in literal translation. Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's, you know, you just described most of the state of Oklahoma. Nice. That is very true. Uh, well, Tulsa. There's parts yeah, of Tulsa. Yeah, I was in Tulsa. In the gay part. <laughs> so, uh, I, in answer to your question, I don't think this uh, necessarily tells you much about Christianity as a whole, but as to um, the flavor of literalist Protestant evangelical Christianity that I'm used to tasting around here, it tells you quite a bit. It tells you either they're heartless or they don't read. Uh, and we've established that uh, from the perspective of ancient Hebrews, it was totally okay 
to uh, take female POW virgins and uh, shave them and rape them because that was cool back then from the perspective of the ancient Hebrews. I wouldn't say cool, just permissible. They wrote it down. They didn't have a concept of cool back then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, 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 okay. It was long. How do you, you can you can you, can you reverse is... translate from uh, American English to Hebrew? What's the Hebrew word for cool? Where are we? What's the Hebrew word right. for copacetic? That's the what I was really looking All right. for. All uh, right. I think it's copacetic. Twenty-one fifteen. What to do with your inheritance if you hate your wife and her son? Uh, Burn it. <laughs> yeah. It probably well, actually, actually, it says that you can't write them out, doesn't it? No. It's, kinda... Yeah, it's pretty firm on that. Right, I, yeah. I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, that uh, was a perfectly acceptable inheritance heuristic. It's fine with me. Uh, 18, and, in verses 18 through 21. 21? Yeah. Right. We, we uh, get the joyous... Uh, you can go go for it. I should mention that Charlie Sheen has been in the news a lot lately. <laughs> As a stubborn and rebellious son who is a drunken and a glutter... Uh, excuse me, a drunkard and a glutton. Uh, and and Mar- Martin Sheen needs to take care of this. Stone him. Yes. That's exactly what Martin Sheen needs to do. He needs to drag his ass to the gates of the city. Right. Charlie Sheen is a poet. Can Emilio be involved? Charlie Sheen, our son is stubborn and rebellious, and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones. Pay-per-view, baby. Pay-per-view. Let us stone him with stones. That's just the King James being extra specific. It's also, in the, I have? It's also show, in the NIV. It just says, thereupon, uh, they shall stone him to death, is what I have. Oh. The NIV right. also it's, says, stone him to death with stones, as opposed to stone him with, I, I don't know. Like, ducks. Like a, yeah, we, we covered that about eggs. Or goats at him or something? Some sort of uh, <laughs> boomerang device. Logs? Logs would work. trees at him? <laughs> there are a lot of trees in the Sinai. So we've established that uh, Charlie Sheen must die. But at least it gives him the dignity in verse 23 that you must not let his corpse remain on the stake overnight, but must bury him the same day. Well, that's a different way. That's a different death. That's You don't stone people right, on a that, tree. That's, You'd have to that's really... That's you hang somebody. And you'd have to have like a massive slingshot to stone someone to death that's up in a tree. That'd be really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> David did it with one. Okay, but he had divine assistance. And we'll get to that verse later. Yeah, we need to move along. Um, uh, lesbians are, are not condemned in this book, but women who wear men's clothing are. So, watch out, girls. Um, and Monty Python also. Any uh, men who wear women's clothing, that's in 22.5. Right, so, we should say that we are we are in chapter 22 now, which yeah. is mostly law. Yeah, right, right, right. I was just pointing out that Monty Python's going to hell. But we knew that. Starting in chapter 13, we start with the... Stop saying chapter uh, when you mean verse. Damn it. I mean verse. Yes, you're right. I keep throwing it way off. Starting in verse 13, we start with the laws dealing with wives and virginity and all of that fun stuff. Right. And back then, it was totally cool to stone a woman to death because she didn't bleed enough on her honeymoon night. And culturally, that was okay because, you know, ethics were different back then. Most women don't actually bleed. But then again, I should add that nowadays, um, women do a lot more finger-based foreplay than they did back then. Back then, maybe uh, a big penis was the first thing they ever had going in there, and they'd bleed more often. So that's a cultural difference, a genuine cultural difference. Touché. Indeed, touché is exactly the word. And French is exactly the language. Uh, is there going to be an explicit tag on this podcast? There always is. Uh, 
<laughs> I, I just wanted to point out that I mean the Hebrew law here is, is basically uh, bleed or die. So uh, Hebrew boys, uh, don't be too gentle on your honeymoon night. Uh, okay, so in verse twenty, well, I think it starts in verse twenty-five through twenty-seven. We get the whole thing about if uh, a damsel, as the King James puts it, yeah, yeah, the I guess damsel, a, yeah, right, uh, gets kill, raped, then yeah, go kill ahead. the rapist, yeah, kill the rapist, in right, but you don't have to do anything to her, which is. Which is an improvement over the Islamic way of thinking. I should say... Indeed. Oh! 22, 22.28 was literally the point uh, when I lost my Christianity. Like, that's as far as I got in the Bible the first time. Before I was like, can't take it anymore. I, can't, I just can't believe this. You know, the idea that uh, a perfectly moral being would, would make uh, the punishment for rape to be marriage. Okay. <laughs> like, you're, you're a rapist. We see that. Perfectly uh, moral in context. What, what's the context? She has no way to make a living now. In a great culture. But we're still talking about this from the point of speaking against fundamentalism that believes that this is the this being who wrote this horrible shit. It's not horrible shit. It's actually quite well written. (laughs) You mean well translated? (laughs) Well, yeah. Thank you, Jewish publications. I don't don't think even the the folks in Tel Aviv would be like, yeah, you know, that's a great idea. We should change the punishment for rape to be marriage. Uh, plus uh, 50 shekels, inflation adjusted. Whatever 50 shekels works out to be. It is 50 shekels. I don't know. I, I have to type that into my Google currency translator. I think it's worth like a goat. Goats. Possibly a cow. Now, I, I suppose that the evangelical apologists will say, well, this is really the best that a perfectly wise and moral being could come up with. I said I'm not an evangelical apologist. I just want to make that clear. Well, David, in my experience with evangelical apologists, they're... Uh, Excuse for this would be, oh, it is cultural. Right. They, they use, but then they still go on... And evangelicals are not always stupid. But then they go on and say that this is the same God, this exact same God says later, oh, no, no, it's totally okay. Okay, so... Paul, move us along. Are we done with chapter 22? The, the sure. price of rape is marriage, and that sucks. Chapter 23. Bastards and privileged f- are not allowed. Wait, what? <laughs> Bastards and what? <laughs> Sorry. Bastards um, and who? And Privilus. Privilus. I think yes. you coined a term there. I did. because uh, I, Dickless, I think, is the word you're looking for. The King James Version says, He that hath his privy member cut off shall not enter into the congregation of the Lord. So he's Privilus. Uh, he's memberless. But privy is <laughs> an adjective. True. But I like previous. It sounds now, I'm, I'm just feeling argumentative now. I, I don't know why. <laughs> okay. Sorry, uh, no, no, it's fine. Uh, I understand okay. completely. So people who are missing a nut or two, or <laughs> a dick, or a proper parentage. Right. I, I thought it was particularly unfair about the bastard children and them and, not being. And their great, 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 great grandchildren as well. To. To the tenth generation. Sucks to be the grandchildren of the bastards. How do they even prove that? I mean, did they have, like, birth and death records back then? Did they have, like, a marital registry, like, at the county courthouse? I mean, how do you... I I think for all intents and purposes, that just means that you're cut the hell off and you shouldn't have bastard children. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's just one of those pro-marriage things, you know, don't give birth to a wedlock sort of thing. Right. About... Verse 7, 
they tell him not to abhor the Edomites or the Egyptians. Which is interesting, considering the amount of abhorrence that was going around. Indeed. I, that is specifically why I noted that. Yeah. It's like, wow, we hate everybody in this region except for, you know, the Edomites and the Egyptians. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's the cheese. That Edom cheese is so good. I guess that's it. Yeah. Yeah, well, it goes on. Verse, according to verse 2, I, I cannot be in the assembly of the Lord. What? what? Oh, yeah. you're a bastard. No, no, I was adopted, so I'm a bastard. Not technically. Were you adopted by a married couple? Uh, yeah. You're but, okay then. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Still, I was born a bastard. Yeah, not under, not under the definition of bastard in the King James sixteen eleven. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind, I'm all set. I don't actually come to think of it. I have no idea what the adoption law of the ancient Hebrews is. I know, and I know what it is under English common law, but I don't have a clue what adoption how that works back then. Okay, there is a fun uh, bit coming up in uh, verse thirteen of chapter twenty-three. <laughs> I, just, I love I the idea the that James? this is timeless wisdom for the ages that everyone should have in a book in their hotel rooms. Uh, when 20- thou... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you go ahead, Paul. This is... I'm not even drinking it. <laughs> and it shall be, when thou wilt ease thyself abroad, thou shalt dig therewith, and shalt turn back, and cover that which cometh from thee. Um, so it's very important. Oh, you gotta get to why. You gotta go to the next verse. Okay, okay. For for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver. <laughs> okay. Now I have to say, I have to say before we get to grade school and and uh, giggly about it, that it is true that the ancient Israelites actually thought that the Lord came down and lived in a tent and kicked it with them. So I I can see where it may be reasonable that the Lord. Well, of course it was reasonable that the Lord went to war with them. Right, well, yeah. But I, do find, I do find that reference kind of odd. All the provi- need- yeah, yeah. I mean, so if you shit in the woods, bury it? Yeah, Indeed. right, yeah, that's what they're saying. Because you don't want God to step in it. <laughs> Which is the best part. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> you don't want God to dirty his Nikes? They've been doing the Shekinah glory coming down from heaven and, you know, resting in the tabernacle. They've been doing this pillar of fire, this pillar of cloud, right? That's all very sort of spiritual stuff. And then suddenly, the Lord's like, hey, I'm walking here, what the hell is this? Uh, it's, it's just a strange reversion back to the uh, uh, Eden where God's walking around. Uh, right. We haven't seen that since Genesis, like, 2 or 3. And then suddenly, here he is walking around again, stepping in shit. It's good. Good stuff. If he was God, shouldn't he know where the shit is? Well, you'd think that one of the virtues Sorry. of omniscience I'm, I'm... is you'd never step in shit without seeing it coming. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think... I'm only, like, partially uh, omniscient. I'm not omniscient. I'm, like, some very low-shint. Uh, but still, I, whenever whenever I see a pile, I step around it. Now, this is not a All trivial right. problem for me. I mean, my dogs, you know, there's three of them. So. so you completely skipped over the wet dream verses. What? Where was that? Verse 10. 2310. Oh. Oh, my. Oh, you didn't. Uh, uh, you know, I actually missed that. I, uh, I, I, As did I. Good by catch. reason of uncleanness that chance. Chance of. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. By night. The NIV translation is a bit funnier. As oh, in, is it? For once, I'm going to say go ahead. Go ahead with the 20, NIV. 2310 in the NIV. If any man among you becomes unclean because of <laughs> nocturnal emission, then he shall go outside the camp. 
He shall not come inside the camp. <laughs> I am so juvenile. I love that. <laughs> oh man, I'm over that 30. is timeless swimming. <laughs> Thou shalt not timeless come inside wisdom. the camp. <laughs> Thou shalt not come inside the camp. That's important. Uh, I mean, it's only the first part of the sentence, but out of context, it sounds way funnier. I'm, I'm guessing that most guys just didn't own up. You know, I mean, who's going to be like, hey, everyone, I'm unclean. Guess what happened last night? I had a hell of a dream. Yeah, I'm guessing most of them just kind of wipe things away and, you know, maybe do a, a atonement sacrifice later and not talk about it, you know. Indeed. That's what I did. So, verse 11 is, when evening comes, he shall bathe himself in water. And as the sun sets, he may come inside the camp. You're such a dirty-minded little bastard. <laughs> this is going downhill fast. This is getting even worse. Uh, it's a shame they didn't put the part about the menses and the uncleanness of the women in here, too. We can get all the bodily emissions out of the way in one chapter. But All right. Chapter 24. There's... That works. Well, we kind of... There's a law... Oh, is there more stuff in 15? Eh, not really. really. In uh, 24... Part of 24 in, I really in, like is uh, 24 or 16. I like that one. That's a good verse. 24-16. That goes against, like, the majority of the Bible. Right, especially when God, like, sucks up all the children with the families, like, in the Rebellion of Korah a while back. Right. It's like, oh... The killing Jesus, the blood shall be on our heads. Yeah, or maybe just the killing of the Divine Son for the sake of... I don't know, just... There's a lot of vicarious death in the Bible. It's it's interesting that you know they're saying don't make part of your justice system here, right? Don't don't like kill people's kids right. because they committed crimes. I, probably to prevent blood feud and things like that. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, they don't want the cities of refuge to get packed up with kids. <laughs> right, <laughs> that would be unfortunate. You know, Hitchens leads off uh, a lot of his debates talking about this um, a blood feud concept in Estonia, where kids actually do end up going to into refuge because of. Uh, the blood feud. So that's not um, completely out of the question. It happens. Indeed. Yeah. Thousands of Oedipuses. Yes. Oedipi, I believe. Oedipi? No. Uh, I... <laughs> sorry, go... Uh, there's a welfare system in 19 to 21, which is kind of... Versus I was just about... That That was just what I was about to say. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, you're good. That I... That... They totally set up a welfare system for... Yeah. It turns the out wither, God's a liberal. For the widow and the... Right. For the widow and the fatherless and the, the stranger. Who saw who saw this coming? I mean, given... Uh, given oh, sorry. Given all these uh, death penalties so far, I was really surprised to find out that God is, in fact, a liberal. But there it is. <laughs> it's right there in black and white. <laughs> I, I think that culturally, it's not too surprising. Given some of the past... Earlier, there were rules about harvesting and leaving some for the... The wanderer and the you know less fortunate, so it, it's not. But it it is a good piece. I like it. God's apparently in the world. It's it's nice to see nice things every now and then. It, re- it relieves the monotony of just you know barbarity Indeed. and cruelty, which you get a lot of here. And we get in twenty one, I think, a sort of reiteration of the previous about whenever they said or whenever the law was laid down that whenever you harvest your land, you leave. You don't take all of it, you leave some. And in 21 it says when you gather the grapes of your vineyard, you know, don't clean it up all the way. There's going to be some there for the stranger and the fatherless, and goes on and says the same thing. So 
Anything else? No, no, I'm good. Uh, in 2510, we have this really kick-ass insult. Uh, uh, him that hath his shoe loosed, which I really think <laughs> should come back into in modern parlance, uh, perhaps among uh, rap battles and uh, other situations where you really need to diss someone. Well, I'm not sure what the English phrase is for the unsandaled one, but we need something like that, where you can diss people because they don't have their shoes tied. <laughs> he who is... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so, I've, yeah. There's a curse that's put upon his house, and instead of, like, being the house of Reinhardt, it would be the house of... Him, him who hath his shoes. Right. Um, that's what he gets for not screwing his brother's widow, as he should. Which, actually, I'm willing to let some cultural relativism slide on that one. Because, I mean, yeah. if you guys have seen my brother's wife, you'd understand. <laughs> oh, face. In any case, in, I want to talk about verse 11 and 12, where... Oh, uh, the most specific crime in the entire Bible. All right. If, if you are fighting, if you're in, in physical combat with another man, <laughs> oh, the, ball the wife of him... Yeah, yeah. Well, as the King James, the King James puts it as uh, "taketh him by the secrets," uh, which I guess would mean yes. Uh, the ball grabber. Lingo is hilarious. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> then you must cut off her hand, and you can't pity it. So I'm. The NIV I, says private parts. That's not nearly as funny as the secrets. No, grab grab him by the secrets. I actually may use that. I should bring that back. <laughs> Taking it back. Yeah. Uh, we go on and... God, there's stupid laws in this book. There's some odd ones. There's I don't know. specific. Indeed. Well, and I think... That point that... Damien made up, how often would that actually happen? Right. Well, and uh, Damien made that point earlier that a lot of these laws are so specific... And it would seem that, I mean, you don't just make up laws out of whole cloth. Like, apparently this happened, and so they had to write down, oh, this, this is what you do. Apparently someone's wife grabbed happened. some other dude's balls and ripped him off, so. I guess it's understanding, I mean. Or so understanding. you, fan. <laughs> I, I would suppose that if I was in a tiff with somebody, that somebody who loved me would jump in, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to rationalize. Make them sans testicles. <laughs> Perhaps that was just the the first thing that they were they were wrestling and just reached down and grabbed <laughs> and just got lucky. It's instinct, <laughs> I guess. Um, in verse 17, we learn that about destroying the Amalekites. Yes. Get again with the genocide. Indeed, we go we go right back to that, which is totally cool from the perspective of ancient Hebrew culture. Genocide, totally cool. Well, they were the Lord's chosen people, so right, right. down with everybody else. All right, in chapter twenty-six uh, is basically offering law, or uh, the offerings of the first fruits. How about that? Yeah, yeah, nothing terribly interesting in there. I don't think. No, except for the phrase um, "peculiar people," which uh, you hear a lot. Yes, has, actually, you know. Give me a verse. I want to look that up. Uh, 2618. 2618, the Lord hath avouched thee this day to be his peculiar people. I'm not sure why, but that one I've heard from pulpits a lot. Not that a whole lot of Deuteronomy makes it into pulpits, but that one does. It's odd that they... It is... 
Strong's H5459, and it is possession or property, valued property, or peculiar treasure. Okay. So it's sort of, so, get, it's sort of getting the, uh, the idea of uh, how rare diamonds are valuable diamonds in there. It's peculiar in right. that sense. Rare and... Right. Yeah, okay, cool. So moving on. Ah, um, yes. In the, in the next chapter, we get uh, a few blessings and quite a few cursings. Indeed. I think I figured it out, and it was something like 20% blessings and 80% cursing. Something like that. There's like 60-something verses. This one has 68 verses. Does it? Oh, okay. Yeah, and most of the verses yeah, are and curses. Yeah, I figured out. Yeah. Right. The vast majority of the verses are curses. Um, any particular ones you would like to... There's some, some bad ones on there, making you eat your children and... Oh, okay. This is this is some really good stuff. And 2857. Uh, 57. Yeah. That. that was when the curses get extra explicit and nasty. They talk about this woman who's... She's a tender and delicate soul. She's a sweet woman, but... She's going to look at this baby that came out from between her feet. Great phrasing in verse 57 there. And she will eat him for want of all things. Secretly in the siege. So, just, you know, the idea of baby eating, um, not unique to atheism in the contemporary era. (laughs) Although we hear a lot about that. Well, it is a curse. This is under the the curse of, of... Disobedience. Yes. So, is... so you could yeah. say that atheists. I was going to say you could say that eight that this fits into that because atheists who are disobedient and yeah we're cursed. We're so cursed that Indeed. we eat that which comes out from between our feet. Uh, Where the baby eaters comes from. And now here's here's the part I actually do want you to do the concordance uh, cross reference in verse fifty eight. All these curses are kind of building up to. You have to fear this glorious and fearful name, right? Right. Which in English is the Lord thy God. But what is it in in the Hebrew? The Lord is 3068, which is actually Jehovah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or Yahweh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and thy God is... Uh, is, it for... El- is it Elohim? Yes. Okay, so this is so it's this is the Jehovah. unusual conjunction of Yahweh Elohim, which we don't see a whole lot in the Torah. Putting them side by side, but like that, right? Yeah, I haven't found a good. I bet Ab- if Abby were here, she could totally hook us up. Indeed, I, I, I invited her along for tonight, but she never emailed me back. In Deuteronomy twenty-eight, verse forty-nine. The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from far, from the end of the earth. What? As swift as an eagle flieth, a nation whose tongue thou shalt not understand. And goes on. I just thought that was an odd... The bit of prophecy in here about a nation coming against... And Aren't we talking about speak. the Babylonian captivity there? I mean, isn't that what we're getting at there? Wait, what verse are we in? Maybe. 49. Yeah, Deuteronomy twenty-eight forty-nine. Oh, shit. Maybe, I don't know. I just noted it as an interesting... That could very well be. Yes. I don't know. It, but that would make sense. I mean, that's so vague, you could basically ascribe it to anything. Yeah, right? but you get the sense it was written in the post-exilic era. I mean, you can't, yeah. you can't really prove for sure, but I'm pretty sure that's the scholarly consensus by now. Move on to 29. Which sure. Is 29, we have the covenant, or more covenant, that they reiterate in Moab. 
you guys got anything in 29 that you want to comment on? Nope. Not really. Uh, in 30, we come to a really cool turn of phrase. God will circumcise thine heart. Indeed. Painful. In 30, uh, verse 6. This is actually the second time it's mentioned, isn't it? I believe Moses said that you had to circumcise your hearts to... Didn't he? Yeah, I think so. I just okay. really like that turn of phrase. The idea of uh, you know, the circumcision is the external marker of your group status. But really, we want an internal commitment. That's what we're really going for. <laughs> I'm fairly certain my heart doesn't have a foreskin. You're literally right. But what he's saying is that he doesn't want you to be a dick in your heart. At least not so much of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Because dickishness is is a heart thing. It's something about your internal attitude. Are you accepting the the metaphysical heart now? (laughs) Or are you saying it's actually in the physical organ of the heart? Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm trying to be symbolic, like the Valentine's oh, heart okay. thing. Is, uh, is, you know, I gotcha. Like when Christians say it's a heart thing, it's about changing your your character. Because they I don't want to say it's a it's a neocortex thing, that just doesn't sound as poetic. I think it does. Oh, fine. So chapter 30, uh, yeah. return to God, be blessed. Uh, in verse 11, oh, yes, sorry. In verse 11. In verse 11, I heard this a lot in Christianity about the choose life. All of that stuff. Or actually, it's not verse 11, is it? My notes are wrong. Did I say chapter again? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about, I, I set before you a choice. To, you know, yes, choose yes. Life. That's in 15, I think, actually. The phrase choose life only shows up once in the King James. That's kind of handy. It's at the end of chapter 30. Okay. So I did I did have it right that it was in 30 somewhere. Yes. It's <laughs> And that was the whole, like, you know, the two paths speech, which you did hear a lot from the pulpit. I did. I I heard it a lot as well. Pretty much chapter 31, Moses passes everything down to Joshua. Um, We get the the interesting bit about reading the law every seven years. Hmm. That's pretty much it for, I believe that was... Go ahead, what? The Feast of Booths. Indeed, that's in there. All right, Clint here again. Um, Here, I'm just going to sort of explain it to you as it was explained to me uh, by an Orthodox Jew who uh, taught a class I took in Talmud for some reason. Um, The Lord basically says that you, my chosen people, shall, for whatever reason, make these booze or tent, tents, And you should dwell in them for a number of days. And the Jews do it. And the real question here is, why do they do it? And the answer to that question is because God told them to. It's a good reason. And that's, well, that's basically the reason that he gave. He, he, the way that he described it to, uh, the white, mostly Christian raised people that he were, he was teaching was that, um, I think he said that, uh, the Jews have a promise. The Christians have a waiting room. <laughs> so, so the advent of the booze. I keep saying booths, like I'm saying booze. The booths. Um, postmodernism all the way. Um, <laughs> but no, that was, that was really, that's, 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 that's the textual reasoning there, is that, um, the reason that, um, Jewish people do what they do in some instances is just because God told them to. 
and they have a covenant. They have a covenant. They have made a promise, um, and they have an obligation to God to fill with them, to fulfill that promise. It pretty much, it says at the end of every seven years, at a set time in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths. Yeah, I will. I remember very, very specifically that you should uh, read the law then. Apparently, yeah. Well, well, when I took that class, it was it was a class on Talmud, and it was it was taught by an Orthodox Jew. And it was awesome because it was in the spring when when all of the uh, when all the Jewish festivals are. So we got <laughs> we got a ton of days off. Was it Modest Yahoo? Uh, no, his name was uh, Sergey. He was from he was from the Ukraine. And he was very sad. A Russian Jew. He was a Russian Jew, so he was the saddest kind of Jew. Uh, the, the Russian Jews. I mean, that's like a double whammy right there. So we're talking about the uh, the. The Feast of Tabernacles, right? Where they go into the tabernacle? Feast of Booths. It's, 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 uh, tabernacles it's, in the Jewish Bible? Um, give me this. It's actually called Sukkot. 31, 31 10. 10. Let me... I really confused in your Bible. Yeah, well, it's, it's Tabernacles in King James. Oh, yeah. okay, it's Tabernacles. And Moses that. instructed them as follows. Every seventh year, the year is set for remission of the Feast of Booths. Yeah. Uh, if you want, we could do some more of chapter 31, 32. I don't have any other notes. There wasn't really much. Yeah. In, in 31, everything pretty much passes down to Joshua. There's the festival every seven years. And chapter 32 is a song. I actually yeah. thought that was a, the first mention of hell, I thought, was in 22. Uh, it actually wasn't the first mention of hell. There's. Oh, all right. I looked up. I, I looked up, I thought it was really interesting, because I was like, oh, hell, I haven't seen that word yet. Yeah. It, but it, but it's it actually... Yeah. It's Sheol, yeah, it's right? Not, right, it's, it's yeah. not actually hell, hell. Uh, yeah. It's like the bowels of the earth or something. Right. It's also the same one that they use for, like, pit and stuff like that. Right, right. Yeah. Where's the song? Pretty much chapter 32 is a song, isn't it? Uh, the whole thing? I yeah, thought yeah, yeah. most of it was. Yeah. I bet, it I, rhymes, think it, I bet it rhymes in Hebrew. We should go ahead and do the whole thing actually, in Hebrew really slowly. Actually, actually, if you... I'm on U version, and I have a parallel where I have the King James version on one side mm-hmm. and the New King James on the other side. Mm-hmm. And the New King James actually parses it, parses it out pretty well so that there's these, each individual... Like, it, it makes little stanzas, so it's not, like, all clumped together. Like, in the King James Version, it makes it look a little bit more like a song. Oh, cool. Um, well, I've got nothing else, really, to speak of. The Oklahoma Atheist Godcast is produced by the Oklahoma Atheists. The mission of the Oklahoma Atheists is to develop a community of individuals and families who value and promote critical thinking, free thought, reason, and a scientific worldview and who seek to have a positive effect on the community at large through fellowship, rational discussion, community service, and education. For more information, please visit our website at www.oklahomaatheist.com.